Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of I Know Why the Nick Caged Bird Sings. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order. Uh, then we talk about them so that you don't have to. I'm your host. My name is Steve. Joining me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Hannah Martin. Hannah, how are you doing this week? Hmm. How are you doing this week, Steve? I'm doing great. I'm like a little giddy because right before we start these things, Hannah always does her research on the movie we're about to talk about, and that's going to be something we'll bring up. But I found just a bombshell piece of information about this movie that it's going to freak you out. So I can't wait to talk about it. Oh, boy. This movie sucked. <laughs> So, well, let's just say, I know you can probably see it in the episode title for our podcast, but this movie was called Wild at Heart, and it's from 1990. So, sorry to cut you off. What were you going to say? I was going to say the only thing about today that didn't suck was that my friend Alex got us a sequined pillowcase that when you flip the sequins one way, they are red, and when you flip them the other way, they are Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage in Con Air, so not just any Nicolas Cage. Yeah, so thank you, Alex. And uh, so anybody who is thinking about getting us something Please for don't. Christmas. Yeah, we're good. We're no. set yep. on that. <laughs> we don't need an entire house full of Nicolas Cage things. I just want to say, I'm cons- so <laughs> about a year ago, we had a strange occurrence happen at our house where we were getting weird things in the mail from a mysterious character. And for months and months and months, this is all that our friends wanted to talk to us about. Yeah. And now we have this podcast. And it's cool because this is what people want to talk to us about. But I just want to remind everyone that we have other personality traits (laughs) other than this podcast. So when you see us, you can ask us about other things other than this podcast. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're more (laughs) than just a Nick Cage podcast. Uh, But for our listening audience currently we are going to talk about a Nick Cage movie. So for the next 45 minutes or whatever it'll be. This is all we are. This is all we are. (laughs) We are nothing else other than this for the next 30 to 40 minutes. And for some of you that we will never meet, this is all we will be to you ever. That's also true. (laughs) (laughs) Also, quick side note before we begin. I just tonight created a Instagram account. So it's at I know why the Nick Caged bird sings. So follow us on Instagram. uh, And then that way you can reach the show and I'll post some photos every week whenever we have a new episode, that type of thing. I'll post a picture of the pillow as well. (laughs) All right, so I think that's kind of just our quick announcements in the beginning. And like I said, the way we like to start these podcasts is Hannah likes to give us uh, a behind-the-scenes story or just something about where Nick Cage is in his life. Uh, I will just kind of uh, do a quick recap of the movie before we begin. And the movie is about... It's Hannah shrugging. She's got her hands up in the air. She's like, she doesn't know. Uh, I guess the the quick synopsis is that there Nick Cage plays a criminal who's sort of on the run from a handful of hitmen. So it that sounds much more interesting than the actual movie was. <laughs> but Han, what do you got for us from 1990? 1990. Do we want to talk about the ratings first, or do we want to talk about behind the scenes? Oh sure. Stuff? Yeah. Let's let's go over the ratings because that's easy. Yeah. I know it's. It's kind of all over the place. I've got them here. Great. So it's a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. And a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. All right. So about middle of the pack from what we've seen so far. And I don't believe it had a Metacritic score. It has an Ebert score of 2.5 out of 4. And actually, I read his his review of it. Yeah, I saw a thing about it as well that he kind of hated this film. Yeah, no, well, not not a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, yeah. So th- those are the ratings. And uh, what it, uh, what do you got for us? What it do? What it do? <laughs> um, okay, so this movie stars Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern. Yes. And Willem Dafoe. 
kind of he's, it barely stars yeah he's in like the second half but he gets third credit mm-hmm. and apparently both nick and lardern were the director david lynch's first choices for the leads so this this movie is based off of a novel same title wild at heart so what david lynch said is that you know when when i read a book i want to attach a face to a character and when I read this book, the faces that attached themselves for me were both Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern. Wow. So he directed a movie called Blue Velvet, which Laura Dern was the star of. Mm-hmm. So they became friends. And then he said that he learned quite pleasantly that she is this character, Lula, that she plays in Wild at Heart. Not sure how he found Nick Cage, which movie he saw right. that made him think. I mean, Raising Arizona, maybe. Yeah, he was a, he was a con. It's a or very similar mm-hmm. character. Like, I will start by saying i don't think that nick was the problem with this movie definitely not no i don't think he did anything to improve it (laughs) i don't think that he was the issue though right right and i I would say if we're talking performances this early i would say that laura dern amazing uh, she she saved this movie absolutely this movie would that's what every critic has also agreed with you my eyes would bleed right out of my skull (laughs) if it weren't for laura dern in this movie no she's wonderful i love her (laughs) <laughs> so the director david lynch he is best known for uh twin peaks he's the writer and director i believe of twin peaks so i never watched it but i know it's gotten some pretty good critical success over the years what do you got you're you're laughing to yourself i'm worried that i found what you were going to show me oh boy that's exciting <laughs> i don't Let's know just talk about it um not yet okay but so <laughs> It's 1990, and Nick Cage has finally decided that he has to quit it a little bit with the method acting. Yeah. And I watched a interview of him and some British talk, so- <coughs> talk show host. <coughs> yeah, he did that the entire time. <laughs> he ran in... Have you ever seen the... Chris Farley's? No. Oh. I was going to say the... First, Willy Wonka with um, oh Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder, yeah, yeah. You know how he enters and he like pretends to fall and then he rolls, yeah, and then he stands up, yeah. That's how Nick Cage enters the room for this for his interview. Right. Cro- <laughs> cross that between Chris Farley's entrance for his late night talk show. Where I never he, saw that. Oh my god, it's hilarious! Just look it up on YouTube. He he comes in through the back, like through the audience, and he just like picks people up and throws them, and he just freaks out. He it's t- chaotic energy yeah. with. A little bit of Willy Wonka. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. He, he takes his shirt off. He, well, I, yeah. he takes his shirt off because he has like a merch shirt on from the show, from the movie, and says to the to the interviewer, he was like, oh, you know what? Oh, that was, <laughs> no, sorry, that was horrible. <laughs> I'm not even going to try his voice. That's okay. He was just like, oh, you know what? I What you need is a wild at heart shirt. And he has a leather jacket on and he takes his leather jacket off and just strips down and takes his shirt off and gives it to him yeah he was definitely on drugs oh absolutely (laughs) and there's no way that this talk show host wanted his shirt absolutely not (laughs) absolutely not the talk show host might as well have just said get the hell out of here you crazy crazy man so what else from the movie i know that there's a lot of there's a lot of information we'll we'll talk through as as we get to each piece the ward the wardrobe is is one okay and i want to wait for you to get there because Mm -hmm. of the line that nicholas cage delivers regarding his wardrobe okay there's there's a few things surrounding that okay great so do you want to jump into the movie do I want to? Or no, do I know you to? don't want to. Yeah, but that's the next segment of our show is that I 
go through the movie Nick Cage scene by Nick Cage scene. We really could just end everything and our own lives right here, right now. <laughs> so, yeah, the, this was a tough watch. But like I said, it was made so much better by their performances of those top three build. I think Laura Dern especially. Nick Cage was not horrible. And Willem Dafoe was in a small role, but he was really good. I would argue that the problem with the movie was not acting. It was the writing. Absolutely. And the directing choices. Right. So speaking of directing choices, let's jump into the movie. (laughs) And the movie starts right away. And it's wild at heart. Like the words jump up on the screen like a bad PowerPoint presentation. And there's just all this fire in the background. And throughout the entire movie... I would argue that every scene ends like a bad PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> like bad swipes away. I don't think it actually does that. I, don't, I think it's like kind of it's, natural movie fades. No, it's not. None of the, Nothing is natural. Okay, well, not natural, <laughs> but like it's not jarring. We did watch a movie. Oh, I think it was, I um, it was Best of Times right in the beginning. Where they used like the star swipes and stuff that you would see on PowerPoint. Yeah. Which obviously they didn't really have like PowerPoint back then, I don't think. But Oh, sorry. One more thing. Yeah, please. Nick Cage sometimes in his interviews talks about how his mom gets really excited when one of his movies come on TV. Mm -hmm. And she was a big fan of Wild at Heart. Um, (laughs) Nick Cage said that he never studied dance. But if you look at Wild at Heart, my mom saw that movie and said, you're a dancer. Look at how you're moving. Look at all that strange energy. It's like modern dance. Okay. So his mother's partially to blame. Yeah. Okay. So we'll discuss in more detail why the fact that his mom loves this movie is crazy fucked up. (laughs) He has a ton of sex in this movie. Yeah, he has a lot of sex in this movie. Like... A third of this movie is sex scenes between him and Laura Dern. I thought it was just a porno. Yeah. Well, so, and I also read, and you might have some more details, but they were going to give it an X rating. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. I also read that Laura Dern, whatever, dismissed her. Yeah. Her uh, no nudity clause. Her no nudity clause for, yeah. She just broke her no nudity rule for this film. She's usually got a strict no nudity rule, but you do see her naked quite a lot in this movie. Quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Anyway, so we've gotten through the opening title (laughs) of the movie so let's yeah so let's tear through this because none of it really makes any sense or matters or matters yeah so uh the movie opens up and it says something along the lines of cape fear somewhere between north and south carolina so they're starting in the carolinas and they're in some kind of ballroom and it's not really fully explained where exactly they are but so nick cage is walking out of the ball that jazzy song in the mood is playing Yes. Yeah. Do you know how that how does that go? Off the time? <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Uh so so they're walking out of this club and some guy comes up to Nick Cage and he goes, Hey man, I heard, you know, you're not just sleeping with your girl there, but you're sleeping with her mom too, and Nick kind of gives him a wink and a nod, and he sees like the mom at the top of the stairs, like kind of looking down. And the guy he was talking to, who we don't know who this guy is, he pulls out a switchblade and he goes to attack Nick Cage. So Nick Cage, defending himself, kind of throws, like, blocks his swipe with the knife and throws him away. And he ends up killing this guy, but he goes all out and, like, bashes this dude's head in. So he ends up going to prison. But I want to stop here because I brought up the mom. (laughs) (laughs) And... That quickly, huh? That quickly, because this needs to be said. Uh, It's Laura Dern's real mom. It's Laura Dern's real mom in real life, which we thought was pretty interesting. And what we've said several times already is that the performances in this movie are really good. (laughs) Who 
Whose performance do you think would be the worst in this movie? I don't know. Who do you think? Well, throughout the whole of time of us watching this movie, we said, oh my god, the bitch who plays Laura Dern's mom is the worst actress in this entire movie. Brings the movie down a thousandfold. Mm-hmm. Guess who got nominated for an Academy Award? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Guess who got nominated for Best Supporting Shut Actress? Shut the fuck up. Laura Dern's mom, the worst actress in this movie. Not Laura Dern. Laura Dern didn't make the cut, even though she's incredible in this no movie. No fucking way. Yeah. You didn't read that? No. Yeah. <laughs> How incredible is that? How ass backwards is that? She's the worst. I am no critic. Right. Well, she didn't win, if it makes you feel any better. Well, of course not. <laughs> of course not she didn't win, or of course not it doesn't make you feel any better. Neither. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, nominated for an Academy Award, at least according to IMDb. So you can double check me on that. Well, if you it want, said but... that she had a tendency to improvise as well. So she, oh, well, and, that was clear. she and Nick are kindred spirits. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, uh, oh, my God. Can you imagine being on a set with these two? I mean... Poor Laura Dern. <laughs> yeah. It's her she, mom, too. She can't escape that shit. Right. She goes home to that. And she had to simulate sex with Nick Cage, like, a lot. A lot. <laughs> Whew. Anyway, so that's the first scene. So Nick Cage bashes this dude's head in. So he's in prison for almost two years. Prison's called PD Prison <laughs> Correctional Facility, which is kind of a weird name. He PD, also, but, like, P-E-E. Right, P-E-D-E-E. So he's in prison, and he calls Laura Dern's house, and the mom answers... And the mom hangs up the phone with him and I like can't believe this bitch looks nominated. She looks directly at the camera and finishes her martini. And it's a long <laughs> shot of her just drinking and looking into the camera with no expression on her face at all. So <laughs> David Lynch said that mm-hmm. in in her first scene, mm-hmm. this woman was just miles away from the text that he had written. She got the spear <laughs> she got the this- <laughs> miles away from the text she got the spirit of the scene well but she didn't recreate a single word that he wrote so he had to take her aside after that and and tell her that she was just so bad at sticking to the dialogue but she just loved to be seized by emotion and was carried away by it that's so funny to me i oh my god she's miles away from the text this woman oh that's incredible (laughs) So Nick Cage, after two years, gets picked up out of prison by Laura Dern. And she goes, here, I brought you my jacket. I brought you your jacket, your snakeskin jacket. So he wears this jacket probably the entire movie. He says, hey, my snakeskin jacket. I ever tell you this jacket is a representation of my individuality and belief in personal freedom? (laughs) Like, and coming from a, you know, a murderer, manslaughter, or that they say later, like in this kind of criminal, it's kind of funny. So in the beginning, there's also, except for that long shot on the mom, (laughs) there's a lot of quick cuts. So we're like, oh, maybe this will be kind of like a casual watch and interesting. Spoiler alert, this movie is not interesting or fun. And there are a lot more long shots that are just boring as hell. But you said you had something to say about the snakeskin jacket. Yeah, in a plot twist that is seemingly unsurprising to anyone, the snakeskin jacket is actually Nick Cage's in real life. And he really wanted to wear it for this movie because he thought it was cool. So he asked the director if he could wear it. And he asked if he could say that line. What? Yeah, it's not a part of the book. No, but it's also like... (laughs) Why? Yeah. 
Okay, no, I don't have any thoughts on that. My mind has just gone blank. So in that interview that I watched where the British talk show host, he was like, when Nick was like, oh, I want to give you a memento from the movie, the British talk show host was like, oh my God, are you going to give me your snakeskin jacket? Nick was like, no, I'm going to give you this t-shirt that I'm wearing and sweating in right Ugh. now. Because I, when I showed up, I decided I was just going to flip and jump around like a lunatic. <laughs> Oh, Christ. And he says that line several times. It's a representation of my, of my individuality. individuality and belief in personal freedom. Belief in personal freedom. And then other people go like, hey, nice jacket or something. Like, the jacket is a big part of this movie, and it just has nothing to do with the book or the or David Lynch's version of this movie. It, for whatever reason, reminds me of, like, Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, <laughs> where it's like every time they refer to the jacket, it's like, thank you. It's a representation of my individuality and belief in personal freedom. Christ. <laughs> So after they get picked, after he gets picked up from prison, they immediately go to a motel, and then you immediately see Laura Dern's boobs. Like we said, she's naked a lot in this movie, and that kind of took us by surprise the first time we saw it. And he's doing a weird thing where he's like balancing an alarm clock on his feet. It's kind of a nothing scene. So then we go flashback back to Cape Fear, where now we see him quote unquote having sex with the mom. So she's in the bathroom. She goes into the bathroom with him, and she's drunk out of her mind. And she's like, why don't you have sex with me in this bathroom stall? And they go in there. And I, I don't think we see the, confronta- the confrontation, but later we see that she confronts him about something in the bathroom stall. But in a very cagey voice, he goes, I think you need a cup of coffee. But now that I say that, I should also mention that he speaks like Elvis throughout the entire movie. He's got a very Elvis voice. That was on purpose. Obviously, yeah. And then Laura Dern's character is meant to be a little bit like Marilyn Monroe. I could kind of see it. but So she... it's like an Elvis and Marilyn Monroe. Okay, that kind of makes sense. But like I a white guess. trash Elvis and a white trash Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back at the motel room after the quick flashback, and we get a good look at Nick Cage's hair, which you love to point out, which was very dark and very angular. Mm-hmm. It was almost like... like the, like a Hugh Jackman Wolverine type of hair where it was kind of pointed out on the sides. And his hairline. I, the, how old is he? He's 26. Yeah, his hairline is just taking a toll. It's atrocious. Yeah, it's really bad. And we really get a good listen to his Elvis voice. It's very, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. You know. It was purposeful. But, yeah, it was purposeful. And to his, his choice, that yeah. not a part of the book once more. And to his credit, he didn't really break it that Mm -hmm. much so he's kind of known for breaking his accent in other movies but to his credit he didn't in this movie again the performances were pretty solid so yeah again so they go flash back and forth a lot between the motel room and the bathroom so she confronts him about something i couldn't really tell wasn't really paying attention and so at the end of the whole interaction with him and laura dern in the motel room they decide that they want to drive to california and he goes that's rocking good news after she's like yeah which was kind of a weird line Anyway, before they decide to drive to California, they stop off at a bar and like kind of like a club. It was like a grunge bar and it was like the most 90s grunge. So I think last week or two weeks ago, we talked about how Vampire's Kiss had the most 80s bar scene you've ever seen with people just like big hair flopping around, just dancing upbeat. This bar was the most 90s grunge bar you've ever seen where it's people just punching each other. There's people crawling around the floor and it's like hard rock and stuff like that. So there's some dude who starts dancing up on Laura Dern. And Nick Cage decides to stop the music and grabs, like, I think he grabs the microphone and he ultimately gets in a fight with this guy. 
And again, he says the whole thing about individuality and belief in personal freedom. And then he grabs the mic and starts to sing. And what does he sing, Han? Do you remember the song? This is an audio medium, Han. You can say words. No? You don't have any words for me? (laughs) So he starts singing an Elvis song. In this grunge bar, and all of the women in the bar are going crazy like for it. Like a crooner. Oh my god. And he's just like singing, it wasn't Love Me Tender because he sings that later. But it was a song like Love Me Tender, very slow love song. And we haven't heard Nick Cage sing since Peggy that Sue. catastrophe of a movie, Peggy Sue. <laughs> you really hated Peggy Sue. We've talked about this a few times yeah. now, about how much you hated that. But yeah, it was just really weird that it went from like this rock and grunge to an Elvis song, and people were like... Oh my god, he's so dreamy. So they go back to another motel, and they bang again, and you just see everything. And we noticed here that there's a lot of close-ups on fire. So there's, there's a lot, lot of close-ups on mm-hmm. fire, but also every time there's like a sex scene, the... They show her they, hand? They sh- Well, they show her hand, but also like the color... I don't know, like... It's like a sepia tone almost. No, I would call it like there's like a filter over the over the lens of mm-hmm. like a different color mm-hmm. every time. So it's like every time they have sex, it's like, this is the blue scene. This right. is the green. This is the orange mm-hmm. for, I don't know what type of artsy <laughs> bullshit that is. Right. But. Right. So I, I think the reason that we see a lot of fire close-ups on fire is it was revealed in the scene right after they have sex this, this second or third time, whatever it was, was that we find out that Nick Cage, or I'm sorry, Laura Dern's dad, lit himself on fire and quote-unquote committed suicide. We later find out that that's not the case, but so I guess there's a lot of symbolism with the fire. Um, Yeah, and also just because David Lynch likes fire. That's a weird thing to just be like, hey, I'm David Lynch, I like fire. I'm a pyromaniac. <laughs> Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. David Lynch, I like fire. <laughs> it's a representation of my freedom. <laughs> <laughs> there's another quick flashback. This might have been in a scene with the mom again. I didn't write down all of the scenes with the mom because they just droned on. <laughs> and Why was she nominated? I don't know. She was the worst by far. So there's a quick flashback of him at uh, the Cape Fear Ballroom, and he's pointing at her after he murders that guy. So finally, they're driving de- they're driving away from the Carolinas, and he's like, well, you know what? I'm happy to break my parole with you. And then they turn a song on, and it might have been another Elvis song, and he starts, like, snapping. And that's another thing that comes up in this movie, is people snap really weird in this movie. I, I, don't, I don't know if I wrote it down, but there are several, like, old people who just come out of nowhere and they just start snapping their fingers and then then they they leave leave. and we don't see them again no explanation yeah and nick cage this is what i'm saying like these details are what made this movie suck so absolutely that's why i'm mentioning it right yeah but just to like explain better to them yeah it's not the performances once more except for that crazy bitch (laughs) the mom the mom the mom's the worst the worst by far everyone else is fine. It's just the weird choices like that. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> and while he's snapping, he's like almost like he's moving his hands in a way like a conductor would almost. And then he starts saluting for no yeah, reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Just really weird. So they finally get to New Orleans because apparently Laura Dern's character had always wanted to go to New Orleans. So they get to New Orleans. They get to a hotel. They have sex again. And again, you see There's everything. colors. And the color changes. Exactly. <laughs> so somewhere in this time, we find out that the major plot, like where, like I said, the, it's he's evading hitmen. But really, it's the mom called 
one of her ex-lovers who's a hitman and said, I want you to kill Nick Cage. And so what he decided to do, his name was Santos. Santos called Mr. Reindeer. Mr. Reindeer called a black guy in a fedora. Santa called Mr. Reindeer. Oh my God, Santa called. How did I not think of that? I'm such an idiot. Anyway, this dude, Santos, apparently David Lynch hired the day before they started filming. I mean, like, he wasn't bad. No, but, but this, he, like, this director, what what was he thinking? I don't understand. <laughs> right, and he wrote it, so I don't understand why the mom didn't call a hitman and then that just be the hitman. Right, just call Mr. Reindeer. Right, or call Santos and Santos takes care of it. Yeah, there was no reason for all these, like, middlemen. Right, and Mr. There Reindeer... There were, like, four middlemen. Yeah, Mr. Reindeer, <laughs> his whole thing is that, like, he's taking a dump and there's just naked women around him. There's just all these naked women in his mansion. And, it's and he's na- on the toilet every time. <laughs> yeah, and he's just on the toilet. And there's this old... What's the old... Oh, it's the teacher. It's, oh it's Mrs. Foot from um, Big Daddy. <laughs> Do you remember the old teacher, Frankenstein's teacher in Big Daddy? <laughs> it's the old woman, and she's like, I've had smell kids before but yo son is by far the smelliest she's there and she's talking to all these hoes who are like we're here to please mr reindeer why don't you all take your tops off inexplicably inexplicably who and mr reindeer just fucking vanishes after this scene after after we see him maybe twice he's just gone for the rest of the movie (laughs) so so maybe I need to back up a step because so no, Laura Dern's Laura Dern's mom is married to a detective. So first she sends the detective down, be like, "Hey, they ran away together. Can you go find them?" And then she decides, "No, I want this other former lover of mine, who's a hitman, <laughs> to kill them." So there's a lot of back and forth between them, I guess. I don't know. It's not explained well. No, no. So there's like this compilation of, you know, all these hitmen getting together. And like I said, one was a black guy in a fedora. Another was this crazy looking white woman with a with this weird blonde hair with one leg that was way shorter than the other. So she like used a weird prosthetic. She had a weird accent too. Yeah. And then she had like a sister who had clearly a blonde wig on with a weird accent. (laughs) You can see her brown hair underneath. apparently they made a sequel to this movie about that character. Are you fucking kidding me? About that character. That character was compelling enough to the audience that they wanted a sequel? It was played by a different actress. So (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. So anyway... That's all happening when they're around New Orleans. And because the mom's freaking out, she's kind of regretting that she sent the hitman down. One of the mom's most iconic scenes is that she takes lipstick and rubs the lipstick all over her face and neck and hands and just covers herself in red. Yeah, Hannah's got a picture of it up on the computer here. I have a... You have a little... No, just kind of... Yeah, there's no explanation. Yeah, no. Because she probably, again, was miles away from the text of the the script. (laughs) And she enjoyed improv. Oh my god. Anyway, so (laughs) the next scene is fantastic because they're in New Orleans and again, they decide to go to another club and hear some live music. So they're at this club and there's not many people there except this old man who approaches them at the bar. And again, inexplicably, he just starts talking like Donald Duck. He's got this quacky voice. I can't do a Donald Duck voice. I wish I could. I would try to do it right now. But and then again. They talk to him. I don't know what he says. And then he leaves and we don't see this guy again. Yeah, I I found what he says. Hmm. So first he says, hey, guys, how's it going? It it just sounds like his voice is like his throat is replaced with a kazoo. It's like the only way that it can be described. Apparently he says, 
pigeons spread diseases and mess up the place. Are you... What? I'm sorry. What the... What the fuck was this movie? God damn it. That's so frustrating. I... I don't know what I expected. Why would I have expected? They're not weirded out by it, though. No. They're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Bye. Yeah. Holy Christ. So they're still at the the jazz club in New Orleans, and they're telling, like, old sex stories. So, again, it flashes back, and Nick Cage is telling the story about... It might have been his first time or something, but he... So that's kind of the next time we see him. He says a funny line. He goes... I had a boner with a capital O. (laughs) And I was kind of like, that's actually, that's just funny. And so they decide, you know what? This story is getting me too hot and bothered. Let's go back to the motel. And they have sex again. So at this point in the movie. It's a lot of that though. Like it's a lot of telling stories that are irrelevant to the plot. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if it was... Has any of the other imagery happened yet? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. We'll get get to that in a minute. Because I have some... Choice words. Of, okay. All right. All right. We'll we'll get to that soon. So yeah, we're you know a little over halfway into this movie, and again, this is Nick Cage's mom's favorite movie, at least at this point. And Nick Cage has had sex like five times. Anyway, let's move on. So they stop at a gas station, and Laura Dern. <laughs> this is one of my favorite scenes because Laura Dern's like, "Hey, I'll take over and I'll start driving." And as she's driving, she can't find music, and all she's hearing is news and people talking about people being raped and all what's wrong with the world, and it's all these terrible news stories. So she stops the car, pulls over, screams at the radio, and says, Nick Cage, you find me some music on this radio right now. So he finds music, and what he then does is he screams really loud. He has a great scream. He flips out of the car, like he does a backflip out of the car, and then just starts doing karate. He just starts doing karate chops (laughs) near the car, and Laura Dern's like trying to match his energy, and then they ultimately embrace. They're karate moshing next to the car. Yeah. So, at this point is where... (laughs) But that also doesn't further the plot. No, not really. Not really. Sort of, I guess, but it's like, oh, these crazy kids. Because I think that they mentioned it earlier, where Laura Dern's character was raped when she was younger. So maybe because she was scanning through the channels oh, and heard yeah, a maybe. rape story, maybe that freaked her out. So maybe that does kind of advance her character or his character or something. But you know what doesn't advance this movie is that ultimately Santos and Mr. Reindeer and all of those hitman buddies catch up to the detective guy and they capture the detective. And it's a dark room, and there's this old, there's this old black woman, who not explained. She just walks past the screen, smiling, just starts snapping her hands, and that's it. While they're like interrogating this detective that they've tied up or something, and she, I wrote down or I, I said to you, I was like, how do I get on a microphone and explain what I just saw? And I. I don't, I don't think you I did cannot. a great job because there's so much weird imagery in this movie. But yeah, again, old people snapping. I don't understand why. So they're still driving in the car. They're going from New Orleans through Texas or, or into Texas. And Nick Cage reveals that he actually used to work for Santos. And he was there the night that Laura Dern's mother died or father died. They don't really dive into that too much. It's just like, oh, wow, that was such a secret you kept for me. And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. And that was kind of it. Then they drive by an accident on the side of the road. They're like, what is that on the road? And it's a bunch of clothes all over the road. 
and they see a, a flipped car and they run into this woman who's still alive and she's freaking out. She's like, where's my purse? Where's my purse? My mom is going to kill me. And she's like an adult. And, and she's they, bleeding from her head. She's bleeding from her head and her neck and her arms. And like, she starts scratching her head. And then she's like, oh, there's something sticky in my hair. And we're like, oh, that's her brain. And like, this was a really graphic scene. Every, I mean, similar to the first scene in the movie, how when Nick Cage like violently murders yeah. the other person, it's like very like Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah, I would, every, I would say so. Every death in this movie is like very graphic. Yeah, and you know, they flash back to, to Laura Dern's like rape scene. Yeah, that was also graphic. Very also, graphic, the sex yeah. is very graphic. Yes. It's just, this whole movie is extremely gratuitous. Yeah, absolutely. So I wonder if that's just, they were trying to go for that. I think it's just David Lynch being yeah. a fucking weirdo. <laughs> so he does say to the girl, there aren't very many great Nick Cage screams, except for when he flipped out of the car. That was one of his first screams. We'll get to the better ones later. Oh, there's some great. There's ones some great later. ones, but the, up until this point, he just he's yelling at the girl who's kind of wandering around. He's like, "Hey, hello, girl!" And he yells, "Girl!" And it's kind of funny, but anyway. So then she dies. She dies. Yeah, that's she's unimportant. <laughs> it's all of these scenes that they just spend so long on, and then nothing happens, and then they drive away. So they end up at the blonde woman's, like the blonde woman hitman. Like they end up at with her the house. half a, with like one leg longer than the other. Yeah, but it's her sister, her sister who's got the, the blonde wig, brown hair under her yeah. blonde wig. So ultimately, so they're driving through Texas and it's a little out of the way. And Nick's like, "Hey, is there a hit on me?" And she's like, "No, of course not." And we at some point also find out that Santos killed Laura Dern's dad, and it wasn't an accident or wasn't a suicide that he lit himself on fire anyway so they stay at this motel in texas and nick cage walks in and and there's like again graphic imagery of like these bugs flying around this pile of barf on the ground and he's like did you barf and she's like yeah my stomach hurts and laura dern laura dern yeah and he's like, here, I got you this. And it's a candy necklace. And he's like, there's 40 flavors. <laughs> One for each of the reasons why I love you. And it's like, that's kind of sweet. But it's also like, you don't have more than 40. And there's also definitely not 40 different flavors on a candy necklace. <laughs> Probably four. Yeah. So they're hanging out at the Texas motel. They're kind of out by the fire pit in kind of the common area. How long would you say they stay at this motel for? They stay maybe two nights, three nights. I was no. going to say at least a week. At least a week. I thought so. Well, they got to keep on the move, I guess. Yeah. Because he's because anyway, he's on parole. longer than one day they're there. They yeah. never clean up the vomit. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they never clean it up, and it's just there. And every time somebody walks into the room, they're like, "It smells like barf in here." And we're like, "Oh God!" And they show it, you know, long, long For shots no of the barf. Yeah. Why? Yeah, exactly. Didn't further the plot. So. <laughs> So they're hanging in this courtyard, right? And it's like their first night there and they're hanging out with some of the locals. I have that. And maybe you have a better description of yeah, this guy. I do. But it's this bug-eyed old man and he starts <laughs> talking about his dog and it's this long monologue that I don't understand why he's talking about it. Where where did he come from? All right. So here we go. <laughs> It says that, so whoever wrote this article says, because this is the David Lynch theme, this scene makes 100% sense in context to the story. Just kidding. It makes zero sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the quote is, my dog's barks some. Mentally, <laughs> mentally, you picture my dog, but I have not told you the type of dog which I have. 
Perhaps you might even picture Toto from The Wizard of Oz, but I can tell you that my dog is always with me, and then he barks at her. So this is probably a good point to bring up the Wizard of Oz imagery. Yep. So several times throughout the movie, Laura Dern has seen like a ghost figure of her mom riding a broomstick. With a witch's hat. Yeah, and I don't know if they actually play the song, but it's that... But, so there's that, and then there's... Somebody... He says Toto. Yeah. Um, there's a crystal ball. Yes. Let's see what else. Somebody mentions they the Yellow mention Brick Road. They mention the Yellow Brick Road a lot. Yeah. She's wearing red, uh, like, high heels. heels. And she clicks them together at yeah. some point. Yeah, in like um, the next scene or so. They talk about going over the rainbow. Yeah. Yeah, so it's anyway, a, uh-huh. nothing to do with the book. No. Not the book Wizard of Oz, but the book Wild at Heart. Really? No. no. David Lynch, once again, might be a pyromaniac, also is a big fan of the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> and just decided that he was going to- Just put it in there. Just put it in there. In. Just shoehorn it on in there. Oh, God. So I don't know what the book was actually about, because the movie wasn't about anything. Right. <laughs> but I was trying to think, is it like about- you know, no place like home or something. No, I think it's like the all these forlorn people are looking for their own Oz hmm. and looking for a way, but they have all these trials and tribulations that they have to deal with. Blah. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's some it's some bullshit. Absolutely, is what it is. Oh God! All right, so. They're out and they're talking to this fucking weirdo talking about his dog. And then out of nowhere come these three largely overweight women who are fully naked. And they start bouncing around and jumping around. More images that I just don't understand. And they're just, their boobs are out and flopping in the wind. And then who breaks up these three women but sleazebag Willem Dafoe with these horrible teeth. But again, Willem Dafoe, he's a great actor, and he played this sleazeball character really well. So we see Willem Dafoe, and he's like this ex-Marine, and he's kind of like a local, I guess, and everybody seems to know him. He's got this pencil-thin mustache and, like I said, these brown teeth. But it's like his gums are 90% of his teeth, and then his tooth is is like very tiny. We we all know someone with those. Oh, yeah. He's got a bad tooth-to-gum ratio. Yeah. Yeah, as Family Guy says. (laughs) So uh, the next time, you know, we we see Nick Cage is they go back to the room, and Laura Dern is so upset about something. She's like, I can't even say it. So she writes it down. She writes down the words, I'm pregnant. So Nick Cage takes two cigarettes at a time and lights two cigarettes. So I also saw a factoid that there was one scene where David Lynch asked uh, Laura Dern to smoke four cigarettes at a time and she passed out. (laughs) Good God. Yeah. So that's fun. The next scene is fairly important because Nick Cage is, he's out fixing the car and Willem Dafoe comes into the room with Laura Dern, like where Laura Dern's staying. And he, he really, fondles and sexually molests her. her. Yeah, sexually assaults. I wasn't sure of the pro- appropriate word. But I think right. that yeah. would be appropriate. Well, because it's not like technically rape, or I guess it no, is, but, but he yeah. definitely sexually assaulted Absolutely. her. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So that was really weird. And then he goes out to catch up with Nick Cage. And so he's kind of working on the car and he's like, hey, how about a beer? So they go get a beer. And Willem Dafoe says, hey, I got this job for you. Just the two of us. We go into this bank two towns over or something. There's only two guys that work there. We can each make two, uh, like two and a half grand because Nick Cage told him we don't have much money left or something. 
So we see the crystal ball while they're talking about robbing the bank for some reason. I don't understand why. It's very frustrating. Nick Cage comes back to the motel room and it's late at night. And he starts taking off his clothes and he's wearing like a thong. It's not really a thong, but he's wearing some very skimpy underwear, which I thought was funny. So he gets, he's standing outside waiting for Willem Dafoe. And Willem Dafoe pulls up in the car with the chick with the blonde wig. And he yells, what the hell is she doing here, man? And he's then, they have a weird exchange to prompt Nick Cage to say, the eagle flies on Friday. Do you remember that at all? No. <laughs> so he puts a, they get to the bank. He puts some pantyhose over his face. Him and Willem Dafoe go in. And Not the, the first time he's done that in a movie. What, put pantyhose over his face? What other one did he do? It Raising for? Arizona. Oh, yeah. You're that right. That one best did. dressed. Uh, yes, absolutely. My How apologies. could you forget? Um, my apologies. So rude. <laughs> so he's getting pretty excited about robbing this bank. And Nick Cage screams really loud. It's a really good scream. And he throws his hand straight up in the air and he starts getting excited. And then Willem Dafoe shoots both of the guards. So Nick Cage was very adamant. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But Willem Dafoe shoots both of the guards. And then he turns to Nick and he's just like, you're next. But as of course, as luck would have it, a cop pulls up to the bank. Now notice I haven't mentioned a hitman in a while, and that's what this movie is about. <laughs> and we just don't see the hitman for like the whole second half of the movie. Is that what this movie is about? I don't know. <laughs> I mentioned like the hitman's 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 sister. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so there's a shootout. But So the cop comes up and he hears the shooting and Nick Cage immediately comes out of the bank. He immediately puts his hands on his head, gets down on the ground. Willem Dafoe decides to start firing but he gets shot two or three times and he lands in such a way that the shotgun that he's using blows his head clean off his shoulders. And it's awesome. <laughs> like a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> Absolutely. So Nick Cage gets arrested and he's back in prison smoking two cigarettes at a time again. And he's doing, we find out he's doing six years. So six years later, he's got a son and he's at the train station and meets up with Laura Dern. And he says, you must be my son. <laughs> you must be my son. <laughs> he really drags on the word yep. son. He gives him a little stuffed animal. And their son's name is Pace. And I think we've mentioned a few times. I think it's a good time to bring up, though, the pacing of this movie. Because, wow, great segue. Thank you. I'm really good at this. <laughs> but the beginning of the movie is so quick cuts and very in in and out you even scenes. i recall you mm-hmm. saying at the beginning of the movie well at least it's at least it's not entertaining boring. were the words i used oh, not was, boring at least it's not, not gonna boring. be boring i was bored i was so bored by the end it's like david lynch just forgot how he directed the first 30 minutes of the movie or any other movie he's ever done yeah or tv show or anything like that and it was just so many long scenes where the mom's talking to santos and the, you know, the Laura Dern's just laying there in the cage, and they're talking about life after they've had say, what does life mean to you? I had a tough childhood. My parents both died when they were like, who? God damn it! Who the fuck cares? It reminded me a lot of uh, the scene from Valley Girl that broke me. So if you're not familiar, go back and listen to our episode on Valley Girl, and there is a scene that absolutely broke me in Valley Girl. So. <laughs> It's six years later, and they keep cutting to the mom. So, 
before Laura Dern goes to pick up Nick Cage from from the train station, she's on the phone with the mom, and she's like, you can't stop me from seeing him. And they hang up. And they hang up, but they keep swapping in and out of the scene with between Nick Cage and the mom. And the mom is just in her house screaming at the air. Just <laughs> screaming, doing nothing. Just, just yelling her heart out. Yelling her way to an Academy and, Award nomination. Ugh. <laughs> And Laura Dern takes the glass of water she's drinking after she hangs up with her mom and she throws the glass of water <laughs> at a picture of her mom, which I was like, okay, I get it. That's fine. Whatever. And so we'll, we'll get to why that's important in a second, but. Oh my God. I just realized why. Oh my God. She's the fucking wicked witch. Oh, oh my God. She's a fucking wicked witch. Oh my. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> why, why didn't why didn't i think of that how dumb am, these movies are making me so dumb christ so i don't i might as well say it now so so at like the last scene the last shot of the movie is the picture of her mom that was you know got the glass of water thrown at it like vanishes into smoke because I guess she's the Wicked Witch and she melts. Hannah is in literal tears. Sometimes when she's laughing a lot, she doesn't make a lot of noise. But she is... Holy Christ. Okay. <laughs> so, Nick Cage is with his son and his and his Laura Dern. And he decides, uh, you're better off without me or something. And he's walking down the middle of the street and he gets ambushed by like eight dudes. Eight guys just come out of nowhere, and I was like, "Oh, are these the hitmen?" And they oh, weren't. The hitmen, no. They weren't. They're just other men. They're just other men, and he calls them the f word. And not the not, f word. Well, he says <laughs> one of the f words. One of the f words to mean, and he later says, "Sorry, I called you all homosexuals," but they ambushed him. So then he used a slur, but like they started it. <laughs> And then he wakes up after, well, after this point, I'll say in a second. But they, like, knock him out. They knock him out, and he wakes up, and he's like, hey, sorry about that, fellas. I gotta run. And it's like, no, 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 no. They, they hate <laughs> you for no reason. They didn't even take his money. Let's go back to when he was knocked out, though, Steve. <laughs> what happens? This, by this point in the movie, and this is, like, the last scene of the movie, so we're almost done. But by this point of the movie... So many times Hannah and I were just looking at the screen and we were just going like, okay, uh uh-huh, all right, okay, all right, fine, yeah. Like the mom has lipstick all over her face and we're like, okay, sure, yeah, fine. And no scene sums that up better than when he's knocked out because he sees Glinda, the good witch, in a big pink bubble. But not... But it's not anyone that we've seen. No, yet. it's not, it's not like, Laura like Dern. How the wicked, yeah, it's not how it's like Laura Dern. It's not how the Wicked Witch is her mom. It's right. just a new actress. Right. It's just some fairy princess being like, oh, Nick Cage, you love Laura Dern. That's just what it was. And he, you know, wakes up and he's got he's a. He's prost- had an epiphany. He's had he an has epiphany a prosthetic nose because on, he similar got, to like he did in Never on Tuesday. Right, but at least you know this time it makes sense because he got hit in the <laughs> face, and he starts. He screams Lula, which that's, is that's Laura it. Dern's character's name. He screams Lula, and he runs down. He books it down the street. The After guy, he's like, "Bye, fellas." Bye, and fellas. Then he Sorry, I called Lula. you homosexuals, and just bolts down the street. And they're like, "Oh yeah, no, it's cool, bro." And then there's a traffic jam inexplicably because the in- when he got knocked out it yeah. was like an empty street right 
Right. So he just turns the corner and there's a thousand cars in the street. So <laughs> much so. jumping over all of them. Yeah, that he climbs over the cars and he's standing on the roofs of the cars and he's jumping from car to car. And he finds Laura Dern's car and he points at her and he's like, I love you. I want to be with you or something like that. And yeah, he sings Love and Me the, Tender, yeah. which Another is his favorite Elvis song. Elvis song on, and they dance on the roof of her car as the credits roll. Whole song. Whole song. Full song. Yeah. One take. Well, I mean, you know, one take, but they probably did several takes, but it's one, yeah, extended shot of them. Yeah, Yeah, right. So when the credits roll, we find that who's in this movie but Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover plays a character uh, from a flashback of a story that Laura Dern tells. Laura Dern tells the story of her cousin named Dale. And everybody called him Jingle Dale because they all have southern accents, so it sounds like Jingle Bell. He's so obsessed with Christmas that he shoves cockroaches up his own ass that's and he's obsessed with aliens who wear black gloves this was a literal five minute segment of the movie that just happened and then never got referenced again and he dresses up like santa claus and he dresses like santa claus except towards the end of that flashback where he was just wearing a suit but he was doing a funny little dance because he put (laughs) he put cockroaches in his underwear what 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 why 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 okay anywho there we are that's the movie yikes we were like oh oh okay uh-huh okay uh-huh. all right yep. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay all right all right great oh yep Whew. all right here, closing, here we are closing thoughts ever gonna watch this movie I again i have no thoughts in my brain they've <laughs> gonna, all escaped no gonna, i will not ever show this movie to somebody no i will not <laughs> no, listen to this podcast for fuck's sake <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, Nick Cage Awards. Uh, okay. Best Supporting Actor. It's Laura Dern. It's Laura Dern. I know that we are usually a bit facetious about it, but Laura Dern fucking killed it. By far. Uh, best Dressed. I mean, it's gotta it's be It's his the... snakeskin jacket. Yeah. Yeah, it was a classic look for him throughout the whole movie. Uh, worst scene. What do you think was the worst scene? Any of the, the pointless ones. There were a lot of pointless ones. Anyone in particular stand out? Maybe when he's passed out with the fucking good witch coming down <laughs> and he's not really doing much, just, you know? Or, yeah. Or how about when he's just sitting there listening to the guy tell the story about his dog? <laughs> yeah, that one too. All right, let's do that one. The best Nick Cage scene. I think it might be when he jumps out of the car and does karate. Yeah, I like that. It's, I think that's definitely a high contender for Nouveau Shamanic, mm-hmm. but we'll get to that in a second. So that was the best scene best scream it's got to be the lula at the end okay that was pretty good and then most nouveau shamanic moment nouveau shamanic being his own acting style well this is when he says that he is no longer doing method acting that's true so the meaning of nouveau shamanicism Mm, it's changed over the years changed a bit Mm -hmm. it might still be the karate for me i don't want to pick the same thing how about um wait was the obsession with elvis part of the original script no. So that was his idea? Yeah. So we could say obsession with Elvis is most nouveau shamanic? Honestly, the most nouveau shamanic thing was the fact that David Lynch just David- decided to do any of this that would typically go along with whatever Nick wanted to do yeah. and then expand upon it. David Lynch was more nouveau shamanic in this than, than, than Nick, Nick Cage, Cage was himself. Which is saying something. I mean, it's a most nouveau shamanic moment. Does it have to be a most Nick Cage nouveau shamanic moment? 
probably should because yeah, this isn't a Nick Cage podcast. Be. It has to be. How about the fact that his mom loves this movie? That's not really his acting style. No. Should it be this jacket is a representation? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're idiots. It should be this jacket is a representation of my individuality and belief in personal freedoms. Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's it. That makes sense because that was his line. So that's not only his best dress, but also his most nouveau shamanic has to deal with his jacket, which was not in the original script. Nope. None of of the movie was in the original script. I'm very curious what the book is like. Right. Yeah. And because apparently there's no Wizard of Oz imagery, (laughs) no fire imagery, Jesus, no snakeskin jacket, which was a big part of his personality. That's the entire movie. The fire, the Wizard of Oz and the snakeskin jacket. That's the movie. So other than that, what is there? Hitmen, a pregnant Laura Dern, and... That's it. Willem Dafoe's teeth. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Where are we ranking this one? I can pull up the old rankings. Nick Cage did a good job. He did. And, you know, the the ones that we've got... This is going towards the bottom for sure. So the ones that we've got at the bottom are uh, Time to Kill, The Boy in Blue, Rumblefish, Never on Tuesday, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So... Is this better or worse than movies that he's not in? I think that's because we've got uh, Fast Times and Never on Tuesday. This is such right a hard scale because are we rating the movie itself or are we rating Nick Cage's performance it's in the movie? gut reaction at, at the time. Because before you were like, I think Fast Times should be at the bottom. And then we saw Time to Kill and we were like, no, no, no. It, that's how it should be. At yeah, the no, this is above Time to Kill. Okay. I think so, too. I think it's above Time to Kill. I think it's above The Boy in Blue. Not that I liked it at all. Right. I think it's I think it's probably third from the bottom. I think it should go Never on Tuesday. Over The Boy in Blue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. think it should go Never on Tuesday, Rumblefish, then this. <laughs> like the never, like the Never on Tuesday is so high up. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're for right. Five you're seconds. Right. And it was a bad movie on top of that. It was a really bad movie. <laughs> but it was enjoyable, at least. Kinda, like we had yeah. fun with that movie. We did have fun. I did not have fun with this. Yeah, Never on Tuesday was also really breezy. It was like an hour twenty. Whereas yeah, this, this movie... was a full two hours and yeah. like five minutes. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think put it in the bottom th- like three. Yeah. So the bottom three are going to go Wild at Heart, The Boy in Blue, Time to Kill. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I feel I feel better not ranking like several movies in a row at the bottom. No, no, no. <laughs> Laura Dern's performance saves the movie. Absolutely. Absolutely, she's really good. And like I said, Nick wasn't bad. No. He plays that type of character really well. Yeah. And yeah. he's going to play a weird con in the future. He oh, just yeah. yeah. He just plays a weird guy well. Yeah, absolutely. I don't disagree with you. So that's where we're gonna rank it, and that would put it at number what would that be? Uh twelve. Thirteen out of fifteen. So pretty low. Next week, we are going to be watching a movie called Firebirds. It's starring Nicolas Cage and I think Tommy Lee Jones. And a quick Google search will tell you that this movie next week has a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. Can't wait. 10% out of 100. Actually, so I'd said next week, and that's a lie. It's not going to be next week. It'll be in two weeks. We're taking the weekend off for Thanksgiving. I need a mental health break. Yeah, we do need a mental health break as well. (laughs) But I think that's just going to do it for us. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything else, Han? No, I think that this movie was an expression of my individuality and belief in personal freedom. I couldn't agree more. And now you know why the Nick Cage bird sings. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. Take care.